mind. Everyone must write an essay on what not to do at a stoplight. Oh. Did you hear that? What not to do at a stoplight? In no less than 800 words. Oh. Oh. Did you hear that? 800 words? Yeah, I know. What's poppin'? Oh, yes. My name is Andrew White, and I am alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, K slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marsh Man, Andrew Marshall, recording on March 16th, 2022. It's March Madness, officially the first four. A couple of games were yesterday, and we got more tonight, including uh, the 11 seeds facing off the Rutgers versus Notre Dame. It is Wednesday, and... Uh, let's let's start off the show, Justin. We watched him win uh, the MAC championships for Super Smash. He could tell us how much fun it was in person, but he knows he had the support of us in the Twitch chat, as we've mentioned in past shows. Um, Justin, if anybody is curious, uh, helped the team come from behind with a big swinging game match in the, uh, I believe it was the third match, and then whoever your anchor was, Absolutely toasted it in the end, and that was an electric win. Final stock, final game. Good to see the dub, and you guys have been recognized all throughout the school. So, Justin, how are you? Congrats. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Atlantic City was a lot of fun. Showboat Hotel, kind of trash. Uh, don't recommend staying there if you're going to stay in Atlantic City. Um, but, yeah, I we had a really great time. We won what we needed to win. Jonathan Mason, the guy you mentioned, came up very clutch at the end. Uh, shout out to him, though there's no way – Heck, he's listening to this show. I don't think that man has watched a sport in his life. Um, but, yeah, it was a great time, and we got to go enjoy uh, Quinnipiac's uh, 11, number 11 seed men's basketball team go on a bit of a run, uh, making it the whole way to the semifinals of the MAC tournament. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to go experience it. I've never actually been on the Atlantic City boardwalk, at least not since I was a really young kid, if at all. Um, so, Overall, really great experience. Winners come up clutch, and I, we're getting ready for nationals now. I've got about a month to prepare for that, so excited to start getting the groove for that, and we'll come up clutch as always, boys. Awesome. We'll be supporting uh, per usual. Marshall was just at the big Y. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, just getting some uh, midweek shopping in. Um, bought some fruit snacks, among other things, so... The essentials are taken care of. Uh, Justin, we will be watching you. That was really sick to watch. Um, we have not been canceled yet. And I say yet because it is very possible that uh, I get banned in some some way, shape, or form in this next round. Y- you know, possible. Uh, after seeing some of the stuff you said, um, I would believe we will get there at some point, And we will, oh, su- we will appreciate it all the same. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the Nutella offer stands. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Marshall's going to apparently feed our team Nutella. Um, so we will see when that happens. You know, there's been some rumors that um, some of the uh, – for nationals that some teams may be coming to visit Quinnipiac. Um, very unconfirmed right now. Very preliminary. But if they do, I, I think you should feed us Nutella in front of the other teams. You could be like our uh, athletic <laughs> trainer. <laughs> That 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 would be that would be something. Okay, Kevin, how are you? The Nutella trainer. <laughs> That's Marsh's title. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, man. I mean, Justin, Mr. Purple, talking about, I guess you could say Atlantic City, brought back some memories for me. I went to Atlantic City one time as a kid, a young boy, 
and went there with my dad, uh, my mom, my cousin was there with us too, and my aunt. And it was a fun time. Uh, spent a day there at, I think, Caesars one time. Uh, my aunt loves gambling, so she was in paradise at Caesars. Uh, I think we saw a show at night. It was like Seth Myers or something came for like a show. So that was pretty cool. Had her like a, a great Neapolitano sandwich or something there. Still sticks with me these years later. It got balsamic on that. It was very good. But yeah, I mean, Atlantic City, great for gambling. Uh, but now since it's legal everywhere, now you don't have to go all the way to Atlantic City. I would still recommend going, though. I think it's a hell of a time. And uh, yeah, so now I can gamble with my aunt. So good things all around. Or no, crazy enough, I did not gamble a single dollar while in Atlantic City. Ooh. I was just way too busy. But then I came back to Connecticut and once again, went back to what I was doing. Um, but regardless, <laughs> uh, crazy that I did not bet a single dollar in Atlantic City. That is that is pretty crazy. I'm uh, good for you. That's respectable. <laughs> okay, let's get after it. We're going to start before we get into March Madness and dive in it for quite some time. Uh, the MLB free agency post lockout, lots of deals uh, have happened uh, recently. So let's let's start with what you think the biggest free agency move has been so far. I will give two for myself. One will be Carlos Rodon going to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, played incredibly well last year. Unbelievable, unbelievable pitcher. And, you know, two years, 40-something million dollars. Pretty high stakes, but I think he's worth it for at least how he performed the past uh, year or two for himself. And then the second one that I liked a lot um, was the Mets and Chris Bassett. Uh, We just talked about it prior to the show. The Mets making a lot of moves so far in free agency and also in the offseason earlier on, way earlier on. So uh, their pitching staff is looking more and more like Jacob deGrom can be injured for a few weeks and they won't lose the season. So that's what it's looking like over there. Good for them. Uh, Kevin, how about you? Yeah, for me, I mean, a lot of the moves, I think some of the bigger moves have actually happened on the trade market, but without getting into like the trade market deals, for me, I actually think, the most underrated move of the free agency period was just the Dodgers retaining Clayton Kershaw. Like there were rumors like, Hey, he might go to the Texas Rangers, his hometown it's from the Dallas area, but they locked up the ACE of his generation for one more year. Um, that matters because Trevor Bauer might get suspended for, you know, several games now. Don't know how long that will be. Dustin May is calling off Tommy John. There were other injuries in the starting rotation. So really, Outside of like Walker Bueller, there were question marks, even though all their guys are pretty consistent overall. Um, so I think that's huge for the Dodgers, who now look still like the favorite potentially in the NL. Um, but I think the biggest domino that hasn't actually fallen yet, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman, I thought he was going to be with the Braves, but the Braves traded for Matt Olson, shockingly, who was projected to be like a Yankees first baseman candidate. Uh, they gave him a six-year deal for like I think it was 192 million or something, and now Freddie Freeman like is sent in the letter like thank you Braves fans, thank you Atlanta. Uh, he could really go anywhere. Red Sox are in on him, Dodgers are in on him. Wherever he goes, the team is going to be getting the best first baseman in baseball, in my opinion. So I think he's a huge domino that's waiting to fall, and potentially the biggest free agent signing for a team that gets him. Justin. 
Yeah, I agree. The Freddie Freeman situation is a bit of a shocker. I, I'm wondering yeah. how much he's really asking for. Um, because Yankees, for one of the few times in their life, decide not to spend major. Um, and they just retained Anthony Rizzo for two years, which is a very sensible move to do. Rizzo's a great player that they traded for. They might as well re-sign him. And then yeah, I thought if the Yankees were again, the Braves were just going to retain him. And it doesn't seem like the Braves were interested either. Um, I think that's definitely a minus move for, I mean, both those teams definitely aren't getting I mean, Freddie Freeman level play out of the players that they chose. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see where he lands. Um, as far as those big moves, though, um, as far as actual free agents go, I think Chris Bryant is a very interesting signing. That literally just happened um, yeah. about an hour before this show. It's a seven-year deal, huge contract to the Rockies of all teams, which is shocking for a team that just got rid of Nolan Arenado for his horrible contract with a no-trade clause just to sign another player who's kind of washed right now to a horrible trade contract with a no-trade clause that plays the same position. It, it literally makes no sense for the Rockies to do first of all, because it's not a plus move in any regard for them. They still don't have Trevor story. Charlie Blackman's old. I think Charlie Blackman's probably about done. I don't think the Rockies really have anything working for them there. And Chris Bryant followed the money, but did he think about what the other players on the Rockies have felt over the past few years? That team has been a complete garbage for years right now. And it doesn't seem like the management cares to even try out there. They throw money to have one or two star players to sell jerseys, and then they continue to suck. I, I don't know what Chris Bryant was thinking with this move, honestly. I, I think he is not going to have a great time there, and I'd be shocked if he survives this contract there. Um, like, dude, go back to the Cubs at that point. Like, come on, do anything different. Like, literally, even if you feel remorse and anger at the Cubs for what they did, it's better than the Rockies to be perfectly honest with you. But the move that I think is the biggest in just free agency in general, Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez being traded to the Mariners, that team was randomly on the cusp of a playoff berth this past year. They almost made that wildcard spot. And now they've added two players that I absolutely love as far as production on the batting end. Um, so I, I think the Mariners have set themselves really well to get themselves one of those wildcard spots and maybe even take to the division this year. Marshall, how about you? Well, I don't have tremendous insight, but shout out Clayton Kershaw and his uh, his silly, funny ears, his big ears, um, and his just like overall goofiness for re-signing with the Dodgers for one more year. Good guy. Good curveball. All right, let's continue. March Madness is upon us. The madness has begun. As we mentioned before, first time in three seasons that we're going to get a full-blown actual March Madness. Super excited myself. I'm sure many of you guys are as well, including listeners and the whole country. So we're going to go through some first-round upsets, uh, some some high alert we may have um, in each of the regions. So they got the four regions, west, south, um, <laughs> obviously north and east. Um, uh, there is no north. What? It is Midwest. Oh, it's the Midwest. It's the Midwest. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I was, I was, I, I was thinking in my head as I was scrolling down. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not all four of these, but I can't find it. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wing it. Uh, so thank you, thank you. Okay, um, let's do, let's go one at a time. So let's go with the West region, um, for sure. 
And basically, which of these do you think could be an upset for you? I can I can go over the games real quick because I know Marshall maybe can't really see it. Um, Gonzaga's playing Georgia State. We got Boise State, Memphis, Connecticut versus New Mexico State University, Arkansas versus Vermont, Alabama versus Rutgers and Notre Dame, uh, Texas Tech versus MTST, and Michigan State versus da- Michigan State versus Davidson, and Duke versus CSUF. Uh, I'll say upset alert for myself. Uh uh, it's kind of a, it's not a good one, but Davidson over MSU. It's a, it's a lame one. I'm taking the soft one. If I want to go a little more aggressive, if Rutgers beats Notre Dame tonight, they will beat Alabama. Okay. Justin. Uh, I would say mine's even softer um, than yours. I don't really love a lot of the upset potential in this one. Um, I think Memphis over Boise state is probably my closest to sure thing out of all of these. I think Memphis is just Played really well this season. I know it's a bit of a downgrade from the Memphis we've seen in the past, but um, they're they're a better team than Boise State outright. Um, I agree that whoever Alabama faces will be an interesting task for sure. Um, Alabama is an extremely strong team. They cover a lot of the uh, upset variables slash Cinderella story variables for me, but also they've been extremely cold the second half of the season. So. It's, an, it's a risky, unreliable choice, but it could be a team that could bust some brackets. And finally, Vermont, um, Arkansas. I do think Arkansas is going to win this game, but a lot of people like Vermont. I like Vermont. Their schedule was obviously kind of weak this season since they don't play as many of those top 25 AP ranked. Um, but they're an extremely good team. They're ranked top 20 in offensive efficiency and top 15 in defensive efficiency, which is usually what I say is a March Madness contender. Um, but just solely based on the fact that their schedule isn't perfect and they don't have a lot going for them. Um, they're probably not going to make it as far as people think, but if Vermont beats Arkansas, they could go on a run and could even go right through Gonzaga if they get hot. Kevin. Yeah, for me, I do have Vermont over Arkansas. Um, I think Justin, what like you touched on with some of the stuff you mentioned is important. Um, they shoot like around 36% from three. So, like, teams for me that, like, shoot well from three and also free throw line, like, I think that matters a lot. They got a big man who can shoot from outside. They got a point guard who can shoot from outside. They can hit from beyond the arc. I, like, Arkansas, like, they're a good team, but, like, ultimately, like, I think Vermont, like, they're 17-1 and in their conference. I know it is a weaker conference, but they do have, like, some eye-popping numbers where I think you go, like, wow, like, this is a team that could go on a run. So, um I do have them. I'm mildly confident about it, but I actually don't have Vermont, I think, going too far, though, beyond Arkansas, at least in my bracket. The one thing I forgot to mention, which was the real reason why I was kind of worried about Vermont, is I am not favorable towards slow teams. And Vermont is one of the slowest teams in the league in terms of possessions per game. I believe they rank like 326 or something like that. And that's really... That's really bad. And Arkansas is 28th in terms of speed of possession. Mm. Um, I think Arkansas is going to come at them fast and hard. And I think that might be Vermont's ultimate downfall. Um, but it, it is a tough game. I respect anyone who picked Vermont in this one. This is definitely one of those games that is literally, uh, I think, a coin flip. Uh, Marshall. So like you just said about the pace with Vermont, um, a lot of people seem to like that matchup. 
I don't – I just think that the athleticism difference is going to matter when that, you know, that pace of play stat kind of plays into play. I think a team that wants to play slow isn't going to be able to play slow. The actual upset that I have, and it's kind of a double upset because Notre Dame is favored by one against Rutgers. I think they win. Um, and I think that Notre Dame, more of an experienced team, um, Nate Lachesky, ice in his veins. I think that Alabama, as, as was mentioned, is not clicking on all cylinders, even though that they have some potential to, okay, if they win this, they're not really a team that you want to play, but I think the experience factor matters. And I think Notre Dame actually beats Alabama. Okay. Let's move on to the East region. Baylor versus no Fox state, uh, North Carolina, Marquette, St. Mary's, Indiana, UCLA, Akron, Texas, Virginia tech, Purdue, Yale, Murray state, San Francisco, and finally Kentucky, St. Peter's. I can tell you one thing. St. Peter's will not be beating Kentucky for any of you that may be confused about that upset. Okay. Upset for myself. Virginia Tech beats Texas. And if you want to go super on a limb, I also think Indiana has a genuine shot at St. at number five, St. Mary's. No, they, they didn't play too well last night, but it says something coming out of the first four in. You wanna you wanna keep biting. And I think St. Mary's, although good this year and they have improved. I think they're getting a little bit too much extra hype. All right, Kevin. Yeah, for me, um, this is probably like a predictable, maybe upset for a lot of people, but my only one in this bracket is Virginia Tech over Texas. Like, they're actually both very similar, like in conference, like only two games above 500 for both of them. But again, VTech, like 39% shooting from three, like only 32 for Texas. Uh, pretty even when it comes to free throws, but ultimately like two VTech, like, eight and two in their last 10 Texas 500. Um, just looking at that. I mean, the advantage Texas has is one, they have, I think you could say like maybe some better athletes, but also like stronger strength of schedule. Um, they're 49th versus like V tech 76, but I'm still going to take V tech here. I think it's close, but I take V tech. Justin. Yeah. Texas, Virginia tech is, definitely one that I think the media is talking about a lot, which is definitely pushing it toward Virginia Tech. I mean, they just came off um, winning their title game, so they're definitely coming with a lot of momentum. Um, I'm actually in that one still going with Texas. They're 12th in defensive efficiency. I think they're a very strong team. Um, I don't think either of these teams is going really far, but I do think this is a big game conversation of like how far do you trust the media because this is the one they're hammering. This is the one they're like, if you're going to pick an 11 team to win, this is what you pick. Um, so I'm interested to see how that works. I feel like I have listened to the media sometimes too much. Um, I was telling everyone before the show um, that I make my bracket immediately and then never change it no matter how much I hear because I think that the media gets to me sometimes and I listen to it too much. Um, but as far as what I have, I am taking uh, the kind of sloppy as of late Marquette to beat UNC, which is usually a bracket favorite um unc's defense is absolute trash um i've watched it in person too i promise you it's trash um and even a cold team like marquette can very easily get hot against unc um and the other one and i think this game is the game of the first round hands down is murray state san francisco mm -hmm. that game is going to be bloody fantastic murray state is another team 
number 14 in offensive efficiency, number 13 in defensive efficiency. And they have four out of my five upset factors. They cover basically everything from offensive rebounds, the steals per possession, the free throws made, the turnovers forced per percent per possession. I think they just do a very good job across the board of everything that they do. But I think San Francisco is just such a hot team from three that they're 20th from three right now. And they also have some of the other stats that I mentioned to back it up. I think San Francisco is going to beat Murray state in this game. And it's going to be a really fantastic game to watch. Um, So please, if you hear this before you watch the games, watch that game. I promise you it's going to be a good one. I like that. Well portrayed. Good storyteller. Marshall. Indiana is a two-point dog. I think they pull it off. Um, I think that they're almost a little bit of a victim of the conference they plan and the matchups they've had. Um, as of you know, very recently, they had a really tough stretch in early February. Basically, all through February was pretty rough for them. Um, but they kind of redeemed themselves. They lost to Michigan by 18, their biggest loss of the year earlier in the year. Um, and they came back um, on March 10th. They won that by five. They also beat 16th-ranked Illinois. Um, basically in a back-to-back. So, you know, I think that their defense is going to show up in terms of, okay, you know, a lot of the teams that they're losing to are, like, seriously legit. And I know they have 13 losses on the year. But I think that they're just going to be able to kind of match up well defensively and kind of play the style of basketball that they want to play. Moving on towards the south here, Arizona, number one. Uh, they will be against uh, Wright State or Bryant. Um, Seton Hall, TCU, eight versus nine. Houston, UAB, five twelve. Illinois, Chattanooga, four thirteen. Colorado State, Michigan. Not sure why Michigan's there. Six eleven. Tennessee, three. Longwood, fourteen. Ohio State, seven. Loyola, Chicago, ten. Villanova, two and Delaware 15. I will go with Loyola of Chicago ever since that one run a couple of years ago. Can't necessarily get rid of them in my eyes, and I really think the Big Ten is actually quite overrated. Um, I recognize that Ohio State has beaten Duke, uh, but they've lost to Purdue, who I think is the most overrated team uh, in the entirety of basketball. They lost to Iowa by 13. It's really only okay, okay, and they've had a couple other wins in the Big Ten, but uh, that's about it. And as Justin mentioned before with San Francisco and how hot they have been, Loyola Chicago did beat them by five. And they've put up a fight against a steaming, piping hot Auburn at one point in the season, uh, kind of gave up towards the end of the game. So I have Loyola Chicago on that one. And honestly, I guess if you want to count the TCU one, I don't really count eight and nines uh, very much as upsets, but I do have TCU um, as of right now, I haven't confirmed my bracket at the end of the night, but I think TCU over Seton Hall is not uh, a bad upset watch. Justin. Yeah, for this one, I think this is the one I probably have the most round one upsets in. Um, I am taking Michigan, no matter how trash that Andrew White wants to tell me that they are. They are playing Colorado State, which has had a pretty good schedule. Um, but when it comes to playing these top teams, I don't think Colorado State's ready to compete with Michigan. Um, so I do think Michigan Steel is an upset there. I also have Loyola Chicago. Um, I don't think that's a really – that's probably one of my bigger locks as far as upsets go. I think Chicago is the better team. Um, 
But my biggest upset here is going to be UAB, number 12 seed, beating Houston. And this is crazy again for me because usually I've been talking about offensive and defensive efficiency. And those are the things that I think make contenders. And there are five teams that fit my need for like a March Madness winner. And I've already, I've now knocked out Houston. I've already said Murray State's going to lose. And I've already said Vermont's going to lose. There's only two other teams that I have that are even at that efficiency level, and that's Arizona and Gonzaga. Um, so I feel weird choosing Houston to lose too, but they're slow. It's just another slow team who's doing well. UAB, extremely fast, extremely athletic. I really think UAB is going to take it to Houston, a team that does not play a lot of top opponents. And neither does UAB. So I think UAB set up well for this matchup. They also top 10 in three-point percentage. UAB. UAB is a beautiful mm. team with three-point percentage. I mean, they they kill it with their three-point percentage, and they fill out every other one of the um, upset Cinderella story positions I fill. They're great at rebounding. They're great at steals. They're great at preventing turnovers. They have good possession time. Uh, and they have a 20 offensive efficiency and 34 defensive efficiency. Not a great schedule, but I think they're probably as good as Murray State in my eyes. Kevin. Yeah, I, I agree with Justin. I have UAB over Houston. I also have Colorado State over Michigan. Um, those are my two upsets for this bracket. I think like also just going in on the Houston storyline here, they're missing their star guards like to start or for the whole year now, like Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark, like those guys have been out and they're going to be out for this. So looking at that, um, also too, like something noticeable, they're only a 67% roughly 67% free throw shooting team versus UAB being like a 74%. Now that's like average marks kind of like for free throw shooting. But when you have a team in the sixties for free throws, like I think that matters a lot, especially too, as we see at the end with these close games where there's a lot of hacking, there's a lot of let's, you know, let's foul the guy who's like the worst free throw shooter on the other team, slow it down. And I think that matters a lot. Um, Colorado state, like, Michigan here, like they're two and seven versus the top 25. I now Colorado State hasn't played anyone in the top 25, but Michigan's only been five and five in their last 10. Um, they've kind of been flummoxed throughout the year where it's like you had the Juwan Howard controversy, and you know, there's some metrics and some things where I'm like, I don't necessarily love Michigan, so I kind of feel like they are an upset team because narrative wise and kind of overall numbers. I just don't love their team like I have in years past. Marshall. Yeah, this one's cheating a little bit, but um, I'm taking Michigan. They are a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but um, the reason I'm taking them is kind of backwards. I don't really like a lot of their stats. Uh, their coach, you know, punched another coach. Uh, but they're favored by one-and-a-half, and if you know anything about Vegas, that means they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good, good insight, good True. insight. The mid, the Midwest, the final uh, region here. Uh, Kansas one, Texas Southern sixteen, San Diego State eight, Creighton nine, Iowa five, Richmond twelve, Providence four, another overrated team. South Dakota State thirteen, LSU six, Iowa State eleven, Wisconsin three, Colgate fourteen, USC seven, Miami ten, and Auburn versus Jacksonville State two versus fifteen. I will begin. Colgate has a genuine shot at Wisconsin 
shooting 40.1% from the three top five in the country. I give him a shot here again, not sure about tonight. We'll see if I change my mind in bed, South Dakota state also huge chance over Providence. there. number one, 44% from three. That is an absurd number. And I'm actually quite sure that one I will be locking in uh, outside of that. I have none. Kevin. Yes. Yeah, so when I heard you say Richmond, I kind of wanted to break out into the Richmond high chant from coach Carter. Anyway, that's completely off topic. But like you, White, I do have South Dakota State. I do have them over Providence. Providence, like, I might be going against my better judgment because they have a 4-2 and record against the top 25. They have a definitely way stronger strength of schedule, 49th versus 198 for South Dakota State. But, again, like what you said, stupid percentages. Um, 44% field goal percentage for Providence, 53% nearly for South Dakota state 45% field or three point. And then also even look at free throws. They have the advantage there at 76%. Like they have a lot of metrics where not only are they better than Providence, they're what you would call stupid better. It's a number that like, doesn't even make any sense. Like shooting 40% from three for as a team. So I'm going to go them. Uh, they are own one though against top 25 teams. So it's a really small sample size to judge them on. You could argue that hurts their case, but I will be going South Dakota State. Justin. Yeah, the Providence South Dakota State, I agree, is interesting on first look. Personally, I feel, I feel like they're very dissimilar teams in terms of, like, it, when you average all the stats out, they feel very similar to me. Um, I ended up taking Providence just because they had the harder schedule. So similar stats, I give it to the harder schedule. Um, the only real upset I have here is number nine, Creighton, beating number eight at San Diego State. Um, I think Creighton's off, but I think they're an overall good team. I do think talking about USC Miami as being a fun game um, should be extremely interesting. USC is the third biggest team in the league, um, and Miami is notoriously known for small ball. Um, so it'll be these quick uh, guards of Miami going up against the tall men of USC. That game is really up for grabs, and it shows a lot of what big ball does against small ball and vice versa. Um, it'll definitely be a fun matchup. I'm still taking USC in it, but that's another game that I think could be very interesting to watch this weekend. Marshall. Yeah, I've spent the least amount of time on this bracket, uh, but for shits and giggles, we're going Miami over USC. All right, sounds good. Now, a little rapid-fire action. If you had to pick a Cinderella team from each of the groups. We'll begin with the West. Um, I'm not going to list the teams again, but if you had to pick a Cinderella team, who would it be? I will begin and say Davidson. Justin. I mean, I don't even have them winning the first round, but I, I got to go with Vermont as a Cinderella here. Um, if they if they start winning, they can go very far. Kevin. Oh, so I would have said VTech. Uh, Virginia Tech, but I'm going to go Blue Blood. That's kind of considered maybe underrated. I would, I actually have North Carolina going pretty far. I have North Carolina somewhat going to the Sweet 16, but I don't know if you should consider them a, a Cinderella because they're eight. So, um, but I didn't want to say Virginia Tech because I thought it would be too corny and the predictable overplay. So Kevin jumped us into the East, and I'm going to pick one uh, oh, for myself. No, no, hey, you're good. You're good. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, is 
frankly, the one that I will be picking. And if you want to actually go Cinderella, Cinderella, I don't know if you also count sevens really, but I think Murray State has a shot uh, to go pretty far. Justin. Well, I, I, you're going to hear it here first, and I'm going to lock this in. San Francisco will be an elite eight team this year. They will Ooh. go. They will go through Murray State. They will go through Kentucky, and they will go through Purdue. This, Damn! Wow. This team has played close to Gonzaga on several occasions, and if you can play close to Gonzaga, you can beat anyone. Um, I really think San Francisco is a hot game against Murray State away from going on their Cinderella story run. That this is probably my Cinderella team for the whole bracket. Give me San Fran to the Elite Eight, hands down. Uh, and Marshall for the East, also the West. I made a mistake. I, I kind of skipped you. I'm sorry. So for the West, originally it was going to go UConn. Doesn't count their five seeds. So we're going UVM, even though I don't think they'll win, just because I think they fit the Cinderella criteria. Um, it's basically does their like shooting and offensive creation match up against elite athletes, and that like you'll literally find out game one. Game two, I'm not picking Indiana because I don't think that their style of basketball really creates Cinderella type teams. Um, I'll hop on Justin's bandwagon. I don't know a damn thing about San Francisco, but you convinced me right there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, the South. Who is it for all of you? I'll start off. It's kind of the basic one because it's happened a few times. Loyola, Chicago. Justin? Uh, I said UAB beats Houston. I'll say they beat Illinois, too, in the second round. Um, UAB, like I said, it's a fast team. They haven't played a lot of tough competition, so it's a bit hard to stay. But uh, Houston and Illinois, I think, are two very vulnerable teams to being very easily upset. Totally. Totally. Justin, uh, Kevin, sorry. Yeah, so for me, jeez, eh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say TCU. I'm just going to go TCU. I don't know why. I'm just going to say TCU. That's fair. I didn't like Marshall. any of the teams I thought, so TCU. <laughs> Marshall. Loyola, Chicago. Perfect. Midwest. Who's it going to be? South Dakota State for me. Justin. Yeah, I don't have anybody here I love. But if I'm going to choose someone, it is going to be Creighton. Uh, I think they match up pretty well against Kansas. I do not think that will be an easy game for Kansas by any means. Kevin. Ooh, for me, I'm going to go LSU. Marshall. Iowa State. Oh, the other one. Uh Uh-oh. Iowa State, LSU. Get after it. Okay. Our final fours. And our champs, we're locking it in here. Don't care if the bracket's not done. I'm talking to myself. Your final four matchup, uh, as well as your champ. Uh, I will begin. Final four, locking it. Kentucky, for me, on the one side, on the east. So I have Kentucky, Gonzaga in the west. Kentucky versus Gonzaga. Then in the south, Villanova, Midwest. Oh, boy. The Midwest one's been tough for me for a while. I don't want to be that guy. I think I have to, though. Kansas. I think the Midwest is quite a weak conference, and yes, I'm including Auburn. My champ, though, is Kentucky. I think Kevin has Kevin's pushed me a little bit. As of right now, it's Kentucky. It's locked for the show. <laughs> if I change it before it starts, whatever, but for the show, that's what I'm locking it. Kevin. So for me, I have Duke. 
I'm going all blue bloods mostly. Kentucky, Arizona, and Kansas. I have Kentucky and Kansas in the championship game, but I have Kansas winning. Okay, Justin. Man, that's some traditionalist stuff right there, Kevin. The 70-year-old bracket makers are so proud of you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about tradition. (laughs) But uh, I, in the West, will be taking number one, Gonzaga. Uh, In the East, this will be a scheduled rematch. I'm taking number four, UCLA, to come play Gonzaga um, on that side of the bracket. In the South, I will be taking number one, Arizona. And in the Midwest, because I was a fool and did not and second-guessed myself when I did this last time and didn't send them as far. I have Auburn this time make it to the Final Four. I'm not going to second-guess myself this time because it screwed me last time we did this. Um, So give me Auburn on that side. I have Gonzaga versus Arizona in the finals. And let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew White's had a really good year. He's got, got that Rams pick right. He got UGA to win a football championship. For all I know, Mitch Trubisky is going to win him a Super Bowl this next year. But I promise you that Arizona will beat Gonzaga and Andrew White's Gonzaga team that he always brings up won't be anywhere close to it. And Arizona will take care of business. You know, now that you mentioned that, first of all, thank you. That's pretty kind uh, recognition. But second of all, uh, Justin's right. I have picked Gonzaga five years in a row. It used to not be a popular opinion. Now, all of a sudden, the past two years, everybody's picking Gonzaga, and it's still not working. So I think this might be the year I quit. And I oh, don't it's almost like you made it popular. Huh? That's why. I, no, no. <laughs> That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I'm just, I'm just saying I, I, I did that when it wasn't popular, and now it's become popular, and now I'm no longer as intrigued by the choice because it's popular. Uh, so I think this might be the year I genuinely lean on Kentucky. Ah, so um, you're, you're a hipster. Got it. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, but but knowing that, this will be the year that Gonzaga wins when I don't pick them, but we'll find out. Okay, Marshall. So we've got Gonzaga to start. I think that's an easy one. We've got Baylor. Shout out, Matt. We've got – what? Okay, so we're in the south now. In the Whatever south, I'm going Tennessee. And then in the Midwest, I'm going Chalk again. I'm going Kansas. What about and your then to win it all, I'm gonna go Gonzaga. I'm sorry, Matt. I, I don't think Baylor wins it twice in a row. That's a that's a fair take. By the way, that Tennessee take, they're uh, they're a big sleeper. Not gonna lie, that's a good that's a good take. Okay, it's not really a sleeper. It's a three seed. I just feel like not as many people talk about. <laughs> the media uh, yeah. was so mad when Tennessee got a three seed. All the media was like. Oh, it's between them getting a one or a two seed. And they saw Tennessee was a three seed, and I'm pretty sure one of them wet their pants. Not even joking. Well, that that is true. Yeah. But then as soon as, like, people found it, like, it's always just been like, it's going to be Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. I, I feel like that's just kind of what that corner of the bracket has turned into. But that was definitely the initial reaction. That's for sure. Outrage media. Okay. Finally, for March Madness, before we do a couple of quick popping uh, NFL questions before the end of the show. Uh, our March Madness hot take for the week. Uh, it could be this week. Uh, it could be for the rest of the season. If you just have something that came in your head right now and you got to say it, whatever your hot take is, get after it. And um, I will begin with the craziness. This week on Friday, 
at 12.40 p.m. when everybody's either at work or at school watching Jacksonville State University. At least, I, is that even who they are? I don't even know. Uh, JSU. Jackson. Yeah, you got it. You're right. You're right. JSU will beat Auburn by six points. Jabari Smith will have a terrible game with all the hype surrounding him. He's going to freak out and choke. That's my hot take of the week. Am I going to pick that in the bracket? Probably not, but that's the hot take of the week. Kevin. My hot take of the week is while Baylor gets out of the first round, they do not break the round of 32. They lose to North Carolina in the round of 32. Hype. Justin. I, I'd buy that 100%. Um, you know, I'm going to do one that's in my bracket and one that's not in my bracket. The one that's in my bracket, Alabama will beat the winner of Rutgers Notre Dame by 25 points. Won't even be Ooh. close. Uh, I love Alabama, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you right now. I think Alabama does get hot, and they figure out what's going on the coaching situation. And then I'll add it just because you know I think it'd be fascinating. Uh, Creighton beats Kansas. I don't have that in my bracket, but. I really think Creighton could give Kansas a problem that could shock a lot of people. Marshall. Duke is out by the end of the second round. Okay. Well, Paul Pengero is going to fall, according to Marshall. He's actually – there's something about him I don't really like. He's a great passer and all that, but he's he's super slow, not a great shooter. It's – He's kind of a bummer to watch after the first couple of weeks of basketball, but we'll see. Maybe that'll be better for him. I know Kevin, you liked him in the beginning as you should have. I still like him. <laughs> Is he too heavy? Is he too heavy? I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's just afraid I, to shoot sometimes. I, I read something when I think it was the first couple of weeks where it was like, he was sweating so much and losing weight so fast uh, that they, they had to give him like special shakes. Cause he was literally sweating pounds off during games. Whoa. Okay, maybe and I was like, "Wow, like I, I can't even imagine that." It's a All right, major thing rapid fire. NBA. Oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah. Just as uh, Kevin said, major thing for uh, a lot of the NBA scouts with them, the sweater. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> he's a sweater. <laughs> okay, rapid fire questions in the NFL. We're gonna try to get as many in here as we can without having uh, a super long show for you listeners. Okay, Deshaun Watson landing spots. Uh, what are we thinking? Saints, Panthers, Browns, Falcons, or none of the above? What do you think? I got all my eyes on the Browns right now. But that's with uh, the Baker man moving on potentially to the Colts. Justin. Baker's already written his apology letter. I'm pretty confident there's no reason for Deshaun Watson to choose anyone but the Browns. They're the best team put together right now. Uh, give me the Browns. Marshall. Browns make a lot of sense, but he might want to duck uh, the AFC and go play in New Orleans. I could see Sean Payton coming back in a year. Kevin. Yeah, I mean, I think the Browns are probably the favorite at this point because of everything that's come out today with the Browns and what's going on like with Baker and what's leaking. But overall, I think the Panthers are actually a close second. Um, David Tepper, like new owner of the Panthers, uh, they tried to find a quarterback. They haven't found a franchise quarterback yet. Um, I can see them sh- shipping a lot of picks to Houston for Sean Watson. And also it helps that David Tepper has FU money. So that's something you always have to consider when your owner is a venture capitalist. Now, Tom Brady uh, is returning. If, uh, if he ever really left, 
Nobody's sure. So he's back. Will he stay with Tampa or will he get traded? Let me just say this. Uh, if he if he asks to be traded or goes elsewhere, this will genuinely hurt his legacy from New England fans that I know uh, quite well, who some of them were already agonized by him leaving the Patriots to begin with. Uh, him not playing for Tampa after all this, uh, you know, back and forth nonsense, playing with people's emotions. Um, this will not bode well for many Bostonians if he does not play in Tampa. It's already bad enough. So I think he stays in Tampa. Justin. Yeah, this is an interesting story that's been brought up by the media a bit, saying that like he really doesn't like what Bruce Arians does and he feels like Byron Leftwich should be the head coach. Um, I do think he's going to stay in Tampa, though, just based off of the fact that he like texted the Buccaneers free agents and was like, I'm back, come back. Um, it'd be really weird if he told everyone to come back and then said, I want to be traded to San Francisco. Um, apparently he likes doing that. Yeah, apparently he likes doing that. Um, I don't think that's real, though, so he's going to stay in Tampa. Kevin. Yeah, I see him staying in Tampa. I don't know if I – I don't think I'd buy the rumors of, like, him disagreeing with Bruce Arians because it's like, why would he come out of retirement? And then also, too, like, the only viable place where I think people were talking about him seeking a trade to would be San Fran, realistically. Like, that's his childhood team, grew up watching them. Like, other than that, I don't see him wanting to go anywhere else. They're already a contender with him. Um, but, yeah, interesting. Like – Kind of weird, too. Like, the one thing I'll say, too, about his decision, I didn't think it was happening because a guy who he, – he always has stuff planned out, and I didn't think actually last second, like, he would decide to come back. Um, but, you know, like, good for Tampa. Like, you go on another run. So, it's like, hey, you take that any day. Schefter definitely, told, Schefter definitely said, oh, uh, he's retiring, and Tom Brady was like, sure, I'll take a two-months vacation. <laughs> uh, Marshall. Oh yeah, he's he's staying in Tampa. Um, you know, shout out Tom. He, he's at home, you know, dealing with Giselle for a few months and uh, using football to avoid his responsibilities in real life. Good on you, Tom. I respect you. Uh, of course you do. I'm not surprised. Okay, Amari Cooper to the Browns. Quick uh, poke poke thoughts. What do you think? I'll be honest. I was confused at first. But now I'm realizing he definitely knew something from the office that Baker Mayfield was not going to be playing on this team, and that's why he's doing it. So it's another reason why I think Deshaun's going there. I think he already knew that to begin with. Amari Cooper, injury-prone, but I'm here for it, I guess. I don't really like the Browns, but it'll be a good fit if Baker actually leaves. Uh, Justin? Uh, any If it's any quarterback but Baker Mayfield, it was a huge win for the Browns. Um I don't think Baker will be able to figure out how to throw to Amari Cooper. I'm pretty sure Amari Cooper runs too far downfield for uh, Baker Mayfield's uh, three-fourths of an arm. Um, but uh, outside of that, I mean, think about Dallas at this point. They're having like a mass ex- exodus of players right now um, just because of how bad their cap situation is. Uh, Dallas is in a lot of trouble. I really do not think they're going to be in a position to win the division as easily this year as they have in the past. I definitely favor Washington and Philly more to the second. Marshall. Okay, one, Baker's – I feel like they're getting rid of Baker regardless. Um, that post, like, I feel like he doesn't just, like, say that for – you know, who knows? Maybe he's being, like, temperamental, emotional. Maybe it's the time of the month. But Baker, like, that, that was weird to me, you know? That was really weird. I, I feel like he's out the door. So the fit with Amari 
you know, if they did what they did last year with like their heavy personnel sets, I don't love Amari that much in like a vacuum. Now, obviously, I think he's like he's better than Jarvis Landry at pretty much most things. So he's, in my opinion, an upgrade over Jarvis. Um, but like what they do with Don- like Donovan Peoples Jones is like a receiver who, based on how he stretches like the the field, and even Anthony Schwartz those are kind of receivers that you want in like a Browns offense because it turns into this like low variance running with heavy personnel sets and high box counts. And some of the very precise route running aspects, they matter. But I think that it is an interesting fit, but it's not like an optimal fit. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I'll take a shot at Baker next week. I, I, I can't do him like this. Uh, Kev. Yeah, it does seem like that the Browns are in play for Deshaun at this point. Like, I think I read something where they were like meeting with him or something, or like he was meeting with several teams, and then it was going to be a, a package also, though, that the Texans approved. So it seems like, despite everything that's going on or went on in Houston, that it seems like there's going to be a a mutual breakup that's beneficial for all parties. Um, so that's good. But yeah, Amari going there, like. If Deshaun lands in Cleveland, like you might see a Cleveland super team potentially emerge. Like, and I mean this, like we're already seeing this with the bills where people are flocking to go play with Josh Allen. And we've seen this with Brady, like Deshaun Watson, if he's right and he's on the field, like I think he's like a top five quarterback in the league. Um, Like Deshaun Watson, like, yes, he can run, but like incredible accuracy, like, really good at like reading defenses and stuff like super talented. I think Brown's like, if you get to Sean Watson, even though you have to rebuild the offensive line a little bit, I think it's a super bowl contender potentially like what you're building there. So um, I'm all in on the Browns if they get it. So like, it'd be great for the city. So um, that seems like the play at this point. Now, after weeks, months, potentially years of making fun of uh, redhead Trubisky, here he is. He is now a Pittsburgh Steeler. Congratulations to Pittsburgh fans, including myself. He is your player. So he's at, he's going to be out there. What are your thoughts? Real quick, another poke, poke, poke. I'll begin. Very happy the contract wasn't over $10 million a year. I know it's still, it still was around like $7 million, but if it was over $10 million, I was going to have to kill somebody. But as of right now, for honestly, don't think he was paid that much. It's going to be better than Ben Roethlisberger. Has to be, right? I mean, it has to be. So I'll give him a little chance, see what happens. In my opinion, it was a little tough. I was hoping for a Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis with that 20th pick or jumping up, but maybe now it'll force the Steelers to actually buy an OT or draft an OT in the first round. So uh, that could potentially help him out. This, by the way, being behind Josh Allen helped him a bunch. Bill's Mafia helped him a lot. And uh, Mike Tomlin might be able to do something with him. So we'll see. I think it was a, a good price tag. Justin. Yeah, I, I think for the price tag, it's definitely worth what they got. I mean, it allows them to invest a lot of other positions, which is what the Steelers primarily have done most of their career, outside the fact that Big Ben was such a big name that it cost them more money than it should have. Um, so now they actually are getting the value. They're getting the same quarterback play at a much lesser value. Um, so I will definitely take that investment any day. Um, I still think the Steelers' schedule is going to be super tough on them this next year. Um, they have a lot of like out of division right play teams that are going to cause them a lot of trouble. Um, so I don't know if Mitch Trubisky is good enough to get them to a playoff run, but they'll stay in the mix like they do every year. 
Kevin. The disrespect, bro, on Ben Roethlisberger, man. Like, Ohio's very own. And, bro, people in Cleveland will be doing human sacrifices to get Ben Roethlisberger on their team for the last 20 years. Not the last four. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, hey, I've always, well, hey, always respect. No longer good at football. Hey, I, I'm just saying. No, no, we don't respect Big Ben. He's got a troubled past, man. I don't trust anything. <laughs> I, hey, I think he was still the best quarterback in that room last year. I think that's why also they were playing him so much. But... One thing I'll say, though, um, I do think at this point, like, they have, they have Trubisky, Rudolph, Haskins. Um, it seems like that's what's going to be the competition going into training camp. It's going to be between those three guys, and whoever wins out wins out. Um, but it looks like, too, at this point, Pittsburgh will not be drafting Kenny Pickett. They will most likely probably be drafting another skilled position. I can't imagine them going into training camp with four quarterbacks. Unless, I don't know, unless they want to pull the Jets and just have fun. And, hey, maybe draft six quarterbacks. I don't know if that's ever been done before going into training camp. But, again, like, they're probably going to draft a line. Like, Villanueva's gone. So, I think, you know, you're probably going to get more like a seven and eight, you know, eight and eight type year from the Steelers. I, I know, though, that's like that's like agonizing, though, for Steelers fans who like want the Super Bowl every year, but that's probably what you're going to get. I, I can tell you, Kev, that has happened before. It was in uh, Justin Ellis's Madden 19 fantasy draft. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it has happened. In fact, that was the one time I'm pretty sure I'll have to check the records to make sure. Marshall. <laughs> Just silly. Marshall. Oh, so I think he's better than Ben. Um, He's also not as ugly as Big Ben. Uh, the one thing, mo- most quarterbacks are pretty good looking. Ben, you know, partially because he's so big, kind of transcends that. Um, I know it's not, like, related to anything on the field, but Ben was really ugly for a quarterback, which, you know, there are, like, definitely, like, inner team dynamics that I, like, we don't know about, but there there is a whole, like, subconscious side of, like, quarterback influence that we'll get into at a later time. But I just wanted to mention that. Trubisky will help in one sense because, okay, so say you can draft a tackle, which you might, they'll probably have to draft a project tackle because there's probably not going to be like a Derisaw level guy there. You can now move the pocket and take shots downfield that aren't just like outside the numbers nine balls. And I mean, you weren't even really taking those with Ben there last year, but I think it's better because, you know, Ben obviously like was greatly deteriorating physically still knew what he wanted to do just couldn't do it but Trubisky you know that line especially the tackle spot I think moving the launch point and again it's the Matt Canada Mm -hmm. offense so we'll see how much of it was you know kind of vanilla-ish play calling and how much was we can't do much because you know old Ben Roethlisberger is back there but if I'm this team, I'm trying to draft one tackle, and then you can kind of work around that. Um, but theoretically, the offense should not be what it was this year. But, you know, Tigers, you know, don't really change their stripes that much. So offensive coordinators usually don't like putting in completely new offenses. Um, but I think that it's going to be good long-term because of how it sets you up. And, listen, you have a mobile quarterback back there. You have someone who – theoretically is you know rehabilitated a little bit mentally and psychologically too because that's a lot of you know qb play 
And it allows you to kind of buy yourself time, build up the roster. And if it doesn't work out, you then really have two years that you can look at the quarterback market and kind of see what's up. Also, this will be the year that Trubisky can prove whether or not it was his fault or if Chicago has no idea how to run an offense. So this will, this is the year he can, he can prove that if he feels like it. Okay. Chase Edmonds to the Dolphins. How much does this affect the team? I feel like, oh, Justin, go on. He's, he's, he's laughing already. I, I have to say this because this is perfect timing. Um, it is 8.31 p.m. on Wednesday night. Ian Rappaport has a new signing for the Dolphins. They have signed Raheem Mostert now to their running back squad as Ooh. well. So you now have Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds in that backfield. Um, it's very Ooh. interesting. I, I think Miami's fixing the big problem that they had on offense last season. And they have great wide receivers, and two was plausible at quarterback, I think. I definitely have more optimism than usual. Um, but, yeah, Dolphins making running back backfield moves. If Mostert's healthy, him with Chase Edmonds is a pretty good backfield, all things yeah. considered. Yeah, I like it. I like it. There's a problem with the uh, Dolphins, definitely. Running game, defense, still has a few holes uh, to it, whether or not he can take the pressure. But I think he's, he's shown that he's not as bad as I was expecting. Um whether or not they can contend, contend with that, not sure how much that running back needle pushes things, but uh, good enough, or at least better than what they had. Kevin. Yeah, so I, I think that from this point on with the Dolphins, I think like they're not in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes anymore. Uh, Brian Flores is gone. I think at this point, like you're looking with the general manager ultimately won out in the power struggle there between the two, and Stephen Ross ultimately won with the general manager. So you're looking at, at this point like, there's some good signings. You got good wide receivers, got good running backs. Um, I think they got to beef up the O-line a little bit. You improve the O-line, center position, all that. And then maybe those guys, again, can have like bounce back seasons where he most are like, yes, he was injured all last year, but hey, he could bounce back. But again, you can have phenomenal running backs. But again, if you don't have the protection around them, like that's a problem. Like we saw that too with, I think, Zeke Elliott, like last year like where there were a lot of injuries on the O-line and Zeke Elliott for as elite as he is, um, could make that up. I mean, again, like the only guy who you could say is like a great running back who transcended like a bad O-line is like Barry Sanders, who like literally in Detroit, like you see clips of him and it's like he's fighting off like four defensive linemen to get to the line of scrimmage and then he breaks it breaks it to the house for like 10 or 12 yards. But it's like Barry Sanders is an anomaly, so – you know, beyond that, that's like what I'm sure they're thinking. It's like, okay, let's go line heavy. Let's improve the offense. Let's give to a, a team that's more than serviceable. And, you know, yeah, like worry about the defense and some stuff later. Although I think they signed like Oba and they still have like guys at corner. So I, I think their defense is pretty okay, but I would go O-line heavy if I was them in the draft. Marshall. Yeah, Kevin's got a great point about, you know, running backs need no line. Few players, you know, maybe you throw in like old Walter Payton and like a few guys over the course of, you know, everyone's still linked to their O-line, but especially when you get to the NFL level, you're dealing with like considerable speed thresholds above every other dynamic of football. So you basically need like generational players to then transcend that speed threshold and you still never fully do it. The Dolphins are an example of, listen, like 
get the O-line, like, not stupid, please. Please. I mean, not please, because I'm a Bills fan. Like, like keep doing what you're doing. But they need, they need like, their O-line is like, okay, if you want to get Mostert, which, you know, if you're getting Mostert, that it signifies, like, you want to do some more wide zone stuff. You probably want to do some more wide zone stuff because McDaniels is coming over. Like, they, what, they got angled, too? So they're going to probably look a little bit like the Jets offense does. Please, like, get a tackle who can, like, wash down the point. Like, please, if you want a chance. Because Tua, you know, White just mentioned, like, he's a little better than I thought. Well, Tua has another thing that he could potentially unlock because he's a quarterback who relies on instincts or instinctive play. And those quarterbacks, they – I, I, in my opinion – as Tua is where he is at his current development, the addition of offensive linemen and considerable offensive line play will really help him reach where he was and potential, which is an instinctive, instinctive football player. And instinctive football players are really damn good. But reliance on instincts is a lot different at the quarterback position than it, it is at, like, edge rusher. It's more finicky, and it's a little harder to unlock. You know, which was also the concern with Tua. What if he doesn't play with instincts? Um, then he's just like a little guy. But they got to figure out the O-line. Like, the running back stuff is cool if you do that. But these signings still don't really move the needle too much. I like Edmonds probably regardless of what they do with their O-line. But they don't have a blocking tight end, really. And... They need a they need better tackle play if they're really gonna wanna unlock Mostert too. Hundred percent. Justin, did you want to say anything else from earlier? You're good. I'm all good. All right. So finally, NFL free agency hot take. What is it? I will stick to the Steelers. Not only will Juju Smith Schuster no longer be a part of the team, he will not come back to the squad. Allen Robinson will come out of nowhere and follow Mitch Trubisky because he believed that back in Chicago, Mitch was never the issue. And every time he got angry, it was not actually at Trubisky. That's my hot take for the Steelers. Justin. You know, I will say, at least when Mitch was there, Allen Robinson got the ball. So, but she cannot say about Justin Fields. Justin Fields and Allen Robinson never had a connection a day in their life. Uh, I will once again um, stay in the state of Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh will be included in what I'm about to say. Um, Tyron Matthew will sign with a PA team. I don't know if it will be Philadelphia. I don't know if it will be Pittsburgh, but he has a lot of family uh, in the Pittsburgh area, including the fact he was in Pittsburgh today with that family. Um, and I just think he makes a lot of sense on one of, on the Steelers or Eagles. I, I think Tyron Matthews is going to find his way to the great state of Pennsylvania. Marshall. Ooh, I don't even have like just one take. Um, I'd probably say Tyron Matthews market is going to be considerably less than people expect. Considerably. All right. That's fair. Kevin. Ooh, um, maybe I'll go two predictions. I, I'm not Nostradamus, so they're probably not going to be right. But Allen Robinson goes to the Browns and Stephon Gilmore. 
goes to the 49ers. Okay, we will see how these all play out in coming weeks or months. This has been Q Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Justin Ellis, Kevin Slattery, and Andrew Marshall recording on the Wednesday right before 2022 full-blown 64-team March Madness. It's back. We're ready to go. NFL free agency, MLB free agency, and NBA free agency all happening at the same time. It's kind of lit. Uh, we've been loving it here. So signing off here. It's a great day to be alive. Go Dogs. Uh, go Phillies. Good Kyle Schwarmer signing at Bad on the NFL for their social media manager, putting out Von Biller as because he plays for the Bills now. That's kind of stupid. No bad puns. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, go Yanks. Shout out uh, Yankees management, Brian Cashman, you know, making moves at the deadline, like, like shaking up the team a little bit, you know, like, sorry that Gio and Gary Sanchez are gone, but, you know, like, hey, we're like, change it up the team, like see what happens this year. You know, maybe just solidify starting pitching a little bit more, but hey, like trying something, so can't complain. Yo, Bills, welcome to the club, Vaughn. Uh, also, the very uh, on the show, the Browns and Baker Mayfield are breaking up for, for um, Chris Mortensen. And it's a graphic. The Browns want an adult at that position. Ooh. Wait, is that an actual? Is that actual? Yeah. No way! Somebody, I'll somebody that. said that. Yeah, somebody I'll, said I'll, that. Send this, I'll send this in the chat. Wait, who? Who? Who said? Do they say like who said that? Or it doesn't say who said this, but it's on this graphic. No, it says shit. Chris Mortensen. Yeah, it says Chris Mortensen. Apparently, it's his report. Honestly, I really dislike Baker Mayfield, but I I hope for him that the Browns never have. A, a better record than whatever team he goes to. And I don't even like him. Bro, imagine... I, I'm sorry, I know it's the end of the show, but like... Sorry. The Colts, the Colts going after Baker Mayfield. You went from Carson Wentz to Baker Mayfield? <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Keep Carson Wentz at that point. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Embarrassing, embarrassing. But we'll save that for probably every week for the rest of our lives. All right, uh, uh, sweet dreams. Great day to be alive. Yeah.